Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so thankful to have you join us today from wherever you're listening in. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's get ready to dive into today's word. Anybody thankful for God's presence in this place today? Amen. What a wonderful place to be. Uh, Excited you're here. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled The Blessing. Um, And I'm going to jump into that in just a moment. But I feel like it's important to remind everyone here and those that are watching online, no matter which side and who you voted for, we need to understand today that Jesus is still king. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter. Oh, my. Jesus is still king. He is still on the throne. And whether you're celebrating today or you're down in the dumps over this election, I believe that we need to understand that before we are American citizens, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And his kingdom reigns over all other kingdoms. He said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody believe that Jesus is still king today? Come on, put your hands together. Amen. It's been on my heart all morning. It's not original with me, but uh, I saw a tweet earlier this week, and I thought, I'm going to share that at some point. And I thought I would just retweet it, but instead of retweeting it, I'm just going to say it. I hope now that, you know... We, we've done our part. I hope that moving forward, we will evangelize for Jesus at the level we did for the candidate of our choice. Some of y'all, that hurt a little bit. But we need to be evangelizing for Jesus much more than we did any candidate. Oh, my. I've hit, I've hit something right there. Maybe I need to throw this iPad down a minute. And we didn't. Nah, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But I do want you to know, God wants to move all over. He's not through with this nation. God wants to do some amazing things in our land. Um, and we just, we just got to understand that Jesus is king, and he has a kingdom that he wants to bring into the earth, and you and I get to partner with him in making that happen. Uh, again, I'm glad that you're here. Every November, we do a series on financial stewardship, uh, we talk about finances, we, we talk about budgeting, we, we talk about tithes, offerings, generosity, all that stuff every November. So um, I throw that out there because you may be new to the church and you'd say, oh no, this is the money church. Uh, we do this every November and it's not a knee-jerk reaction that we have some bills that we need to pay. It, it's never been that for me. I've never preached it in that kind of way. It's not about us at all. Um, how many of you understand that part of your discipleship process is being able to manage your money in a way that honors God? It's a big, big deal. Uh, so much so that 16 of 38 parables, Jesus spoke about money and possessions. 15% of your Bible deals with the concept of money, which means that if I really did it justice, I would have to preach eight weeks a year on the topic of money just to preach 15% of the time on this subject. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, which means that your heart and your money are always in the same place. They are completely connected. Um, And so it's a big deal to God. 
And it needs to be a big deal to us when it comes to stewarding finances in a way that honors him. Last week, we um, started the series on receiving the Father's blessing, and, and I don't know that I've ever done this. I didn't even talk about money last week. It wasn't about the, the blessing being connected to money, because before there was original sin, there was original blessing. And so um, the first thing God did is he created you and I in his image after his likeness, and watch God's heart. The first thing he did was blessed man. That's the first thing. That's God's heart. And so I may have financial blessings, but if I'm not in relationship with God, then I don't have the blessing I need, even if I'm doing well financially. And so a lot of people do well financially, but because they've never heard their father's voice in their life, and they're not in relationship with the father, they, they struggle, and they always feel like something is missing, because that original blessing is the most important blessing. So this week, I want to talk to you about the gateway to blessing. Now, the reason I preached what I did last week is because I felt like I would be doing you a disservice to talk to you about principles that God has given us that will bring certain blessings into our life without giving you that whole idea of you, you are already blessed. If you're in relationship with Jesus, how many know that you are already blessed just by knowing him, just by being in relationship with him? And so today we're going to take it a step further. I'm going to call it the gateway to blessing. Um, and we want to start with this first point. I'm going to give you a couple of points uh, here to kick it off. These are foundational principles that you have to start with if you're really going to have uh, success in, in the area of managing your money in a way that honors God. The first is this. God is owner. We are stewards. We have to start with that premise. Psalm chapter number 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. God owns it all. If we can get those four words, God owns it all. If we can get that, it will begin to change our perspective about money. It'll change our minds about it. Uh, when, we, when we say to ourselves, we're not owners of anything that we possess, we are only managers, we are only stewards, then I, I now understand that what I have, what, what is in my possession, I manage it because it's not, it's not me that owns it, it's God that owns it. We're reminding ourselves too that everything I have, the way I manage it, how many know we're going to be held accountable for it? And, and so it, it's a big, big deal. As a matter of fact, um, the idea that we ever give God anything is a myth. You haven't ever given God a dime. Truth is, he owns all of it. All right? That's what we just established. Uh, he owns it all. So we're not really giving him anything. He owns it already. Uh, we just have to steward it in a way that honors him. So God is owner. We are stewards. Second point here. How we handle money reveals our heart. Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This means that to get to know you, I would not have to ask any questions at all if you would just let me see your bank statement. I could look at your check register, your visa statement, um, 
and I, don't, I wouldn't have to ask anything else about you because your heart and money are completely connected. If I were able to look at that, I would know what your hobbies are, what your interests are, uh, what you're passionate about, what restaurant you like the most. I would learn a ton of things about you by just following the money trail. And so how we handle money reveals volumes about our loyalties, about our priorities, about our affections. So knowing that, um, it, it helps us to understand that our resources are not ours. God has entrusted them to us and understanding he's owner, I'm manager, and my heart and money are connected. If I understand and comprehend that, then I begin to steward finances in a way that God can bless. So we'll, here, here's another point. And, and those of you that are new, I believe you'll catch up. All right. Tithing, tithing. How many of you've heard the word tithing? Come on, wave at me. Do something. I want to know who I'm talking to. All right. Tithing is the gateway um, that God uses to enter into your financial life. It's a, it, it's a principle God has given us. It's a gateway. In other words, it's an entry point into the way God wants to begin moving in your finances. Now, tithing is returning to God the first 10% of, of our income. Tithe means 10th. Um, we don't pay tithe. We don't give tithe. The scripture says, bring the tithe. Why does the scripture say bring the tithe? Because it's already God's. We know that all 100% is God's, but when we bring the tithe, God says it's as if you've brought all 100%. Isn't it cool that in God's eyes, when we bring the first 10% in his eyes, it's like you gave the whole paycheck. I I bring the first 10 and it sanctifies the rest. I'm not giving anything. Um, I'll take it a step further. Tithing is, is not giving, it's returning, and tithing is not generosity. Now, this is where people really get hung up because they think I'm a generous person, I'm a tither. No, that's the beginning place. Generosity doesn't even start until I've hit 11%. I got to go above the first 10 to even be considered generous. I bring the first 10 and then I need to find some ways to be generous, whether that be paying for somebody's meal, sending money to missions. Come on, somebody going above and beyond this, this basic requirement that God has given us that he promises to bless. So it's the first step for anyone who wants God to guide to bless, and to, and to direct their finances. Now, a lot of you would say, now, pastor, this tithing thing, that's cool, but that's Old Testament. And I would say you're correct in that we see it first in the Old Testament, but tithing is not law. Tithing predates the law. Before, before the law came into existence 400 years before, um, We know that we see tithing. So tithing is not something I do out of obligation. Tithing is something I do out of revelation. It's not because I'm going to do this or get in trouble. I do this because I have revelation of who my provider is. I I know who my source is. I may clock in and clock out at the place of employment, but they are not my source. I bring the tithe because at the end of the day, like Abraham, when God revealed himself to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I am your compensation. Anybody thankful that God is your compensation? He is your source. The job may run out, but God never does. 
And so I bring the tithe to, to God and it's out of revelation, not obligation. And, and when we look at this concept of tithing, there's three um, principles that emerge and, they, and I, I don't do this normally, but they all start with the letter P today. Can we, can we do this? Can we do the three P's? All right, number one, tithing is about priority. Everybody say priority. Tithing's about priority. When I was growing up, everyone who played sports didn't get a trophy. Like you actually had to win. And I don't mean like you, you won a couple games. I mean you had to win it all. One team got a trophy. Everybody else, losers. <laughs> now, how many know that's not the world we live in now? You can show up for a sports team and, you know, hate to say it, pick your nose all season. Never do anything, lose every game, and guess what? Little Johnny, we're so happy you're here. Here's your trophy. What did little Johnny do to deserve a trophy? Absolutely nothing. But we've, we've created kind of that mindset, but... A great way for us to really get it, and I'm not a big college football fan. Just I'm just not, and it may be, yeah, I won't even go there. I'm not even going to go there. Um, I don't know why I'm not, a couple little reasons maybe, but I know I'm talking to a large group of people that love college football. Um, but an example of this would be last year, when the not this year, but last year, when the college season ended, um, you get to see all the rankings, right? who finished first, who finished 17th, you know, what, whatever. Um, and if you hear your team here, you can give them a little shout out. But here was the last year at the end of the season, the top 10. Number 10 was Minnesota. Number, no Minnesota fans. Nine, Penn State. I know we got one at eight. Alabama. Okay, we got, I, there's always a Bama fan, all right? Seven, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, I wish WVU was in here because y'all would blow the roof off this place, but um, they're not. <laughs> Seven, Oklahoma. Six was Florida. Gator fans, Gator fans. Oregon. Georgia was four. Ohio State, Buckeyes three. Oh, we got some Buckeyes in the house. Second ranked team was Clemson. Couple. And then the number one team last year was LSU. All right, now, I did that for a very specific reason. For instance, do you think that the seventh-ranked Oklahoma Sooners, do you think that their coach, because they finished seventh at the end of the year, bought everybody rings and T-shirts that said, we are the champs? They did not. And be why? Because there's only one winner. There is only one first place, and that belonged to LSU. Um, if we desire, we know college football teams desire to be first, and how many know we're kind of wired selfishly, and so we want to be first, and if we want to be first, how many of us understand God also wants to be first? And I know this sounds old school, but they told me when I was growing up that if, that if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And, and you know, it used to be like a tough thing, like, wow. But it's so true. God wants to be first priority on your list. He, he don't, God's not going to um, submit to being number four on your list. 
or number seven or number 10, God wants first place. Um, And so when it comes to tithing, we are bringing to God what's first, a tenth, 10% of our income, and we're, we're doing it at the very beginning. It, it's an act of trust. And so um, if God's not first, eventually our lives begin um, to get out of balance. They just get out of balance. When God's not first, you know, you, you'll, you'll have financial problems. You'll have relational problems. You'll just start seeing your life get out of balance because God is not first. And so God established the principle of the tithe and the, or the principle of priority is the point that we're on. And he gave this even before Moses uh, gave us the law. So look at Genesis chapter number four, verses two through five. We can see it all the way back in Genesis four. It says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. A lot of people have wondered about this text, you know, like, Pastor, I don't get it that God favored Abel's offering, and he didn't Cain's. Why, why is that? But the answer is actually found in the text that we read. The Bible says that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Now, this is powerful. In other words, he didn't wait to see how many animals he had, and if he could spare one, he would bring it to God. The first one born, he brought it. It was an act of faith. The first one, I'm giving that to God, and I'm trusting him as my source. But the scripture says about Cain that in the process of time, he brought an offering. It doesn't say that he brought the first. The implication is, is that Cain waited to see how much harvest he had, whether or not he could afford to bring God an offering. And God says, that's not the kind of offering I'm going to receive. I want to receive the kind that's by faith where I am first. So he acknowledged Abel, but he did not acknowledge Cain. And and the point is, is it always requires faith to give the first. It always requires faith to give the first. It's why a lot of Christians never get to experience the full blessing that God has for them. Um, because we want to we wanna pay the mortgage, the car payment, college tuition, the groceries, and then if we have enough, now I'm going to tithe. Listen, you can give a full 10% of your income, but if it wasn't first, it's not tithe. So you got, you got the percentage right, but you were, it wasn't by faith. You made sure everything else was taken. Okay, now I can bring this to the Lord. So I can be obedient in the percentage and still be off on the priority. And so uh, it's an act of faith to bring the tithe first. We do this all year here, here at Bethesda. We give God the first part of the year with prayer and fasting. 
We give, we, we tell you that the importance of giving God the first day of your week. How many, go ahead right now, you need to give yourself a hand. You gave God the first part of your week. Sunday's the first day of the week. Oh, you can do better than that. Give yourself a hand. You're giving God the first of the seven. Um, give God the first part of your morning. When you wake up, instead of, I wonder what's going on. Why, instead of that, Give God the first part of your day. It's the priority of first. God always honors that. It, it, when, when we do this, it literally loosens something. It breaks something on the inside of us um, where we move away from money being the key to life and the key to happiness and the key to safety that when we bring that first 10% and we do it first, it's almost like we are breaking the world system off of our mind and our money and understanding that we are no longer just citizens of this nation, but we are citizens of a kingdom and Jesus is the king. And, and we do that every time we acknowledge God with our giving, with our tithing. And so your attitude becomes one of trust. The second thing is tithing is about priority, but tithing is also about percentage. Uh, we know the word tithe means 10th or 10%. And there are two reasons that God chose to use a percentage um, principle for us to, to guide our lives. The first is, is that God doesn't care about the amount of money that a person gives, God cares about the amount of trust you give. So it's not the, the amount, it's not the sum, it's how much do you trust God? And everybody has been entrusted with a certain amount. And, and so the reason I love the whole concept is that a tithe is the same whether you make 10,000 a year or 10 million a year. So, so I, I love that because if you may make 10 million a year and think, man, that'd be a million dollars to bring to God each year. But the person who made 10 grand, if, if they bring their 1,000 to God first, how many know the one who gave a million did not give more than the person who gave a thousand? They gave the same amount. They, they brought the same amount. They brought the first portion of what God had entrusted to them. And we can see it play out in the Gospels when Jesus was talking about people bringing their donations into the temple and bringing the tithe and bringing the offering. And the Bible, it, it, it implies that people were bringing large volumes of money, but there was one lady who the scripture says brought two mites and gave it. And Jesus said this, he said, she gave more than everybody else in here. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because of percentage. She gave a greater percentage than, how many know that a lot of times we give out of our abundance, but the question is, is can you give out of your need? A lot of people can give when everything's paid and you know, you, there's money in the bank and, and you know, you get a promotion at work, but can you do it when maybe you have a need? You have a, a, a shortage in your life. Can you still trust God? Sad truth is, is that statistically speaking, the more money we make as Christians, the less percentage we give. We tell ourselves we're giving more because the dollar amount went up, went up 
but the percentage amount actually went down. The percentage matters more than the sum. So we are not called to equal amounts, but we are called to equal obedience. God cares about the amount of trust. Secondly, what most Christians fail to comprehend is that tithing is a test. Hit your neighbor and tell them it's a test. Y'all not cooperating. Tell your other neighbor that that was the wrong neighbor. Tell the other one, say, hey, it's a test. It's a test. The number 10 not only speaks of a 10th part or 10%, but all throughout Scripture, 10 is the number of testing. And we see it all through Scripture. Jacob was tested 10 times when Laban changed his wages. We know that God tested the children of Israel 10 different times in the wilderness. He tested Pharaoh by sending 10 plagues. There's all kinds of of references of 10 being a number of testing. God gave us the 10 commandments to test our obedience. How many disciples did Jesus have? All right, just making sure you're listening. I was testing you. It was 12, all right? It was 12. Now check this out. We're not the only ones that tithing puts to the test. Because God does something interesting as it relates to the tithe. It's not only a test for you and I. God says in Malachi 3, we're getting ready to read it. God said, put me to the test. It's the only place in scripture where God says, you can test me when it comes to tithe and offering. So look at Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are, you, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is right, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, the principles of tithing are both biblical and eternal. Aligning your life with what God says about this will align your life with God's blessing. So let me give you a couple of things here. The first thing God said he would do if we obey in this principle, number one, he says, I will open up heaven over you. I will open up heaven over you. Obedience is what opens up the heavens. It's not so much about what we say, it's about what we do. A lot of people will come to church and lift their hands and shout and dance but they're doing all of it under a closed heaven if they're, if they're stealing from God in tithe and offering. I'm going to take it a step further. There, there are some things you wouldn't even have to pray about if you would become a tither. God said, I'll open up heaven over you. That this is the kind of obedience, this is the kind of step that if you take this step, I'm going to cause heaven to open up over you. And, and not only will heaven open up, he's, I love what he says. He says, try me or test me. It, it literally means to investigate. God says, you can investigate me when it comes to tithe and offerings. 
Um, and, and you may say, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do with an open heaven anyway? <laughs> you know, like what, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? Okay, it's cool. Heavens are opened up. What do I do with the open heaven? The open heaven is an opportunity for you to see clearly what the will of God is for your life. It, in other words, it's a new perspective on what God wants to do. It, and, and this law, guys, this law of tithing, this law of, of sowing and reaping that we see all throughout Scripture, it's a law, even if you ignore it, you, you will still feel the effects of it. it it's kind of like the law of gravity. You may think you will defy the law of gravity, but if you go up on this roof after service and you jump, you're going to get hurt. Why? The law of gravity. And the same is true when it comes to tithe, when it comes to offering, when it comes to giving God the first part of our finances. To the tither, this is not to everybody, only the tither, God says, I'll open up the heavens. Second thing God says, he said, I will bless you. I love that because he says, I'm going to bless you in a realm that you're not going to have room enough to store it. What, what, what does that mean? It means, you know, you're, you're going to be living out of overflow. You're not going to have room enough to, to store, which is a good thing because that means you'll become generous to other people. It means that, that as Abraham was, the Bible says that he was blessed to be a blessing. That, that we're not just looking for somebody to bless us, but guys, we have to shift that from wanting to be blessed to I am the one who blesses. I'm not looking for anyone to bless me. I want to find some people that I can bless. How many would like to move into a realm where you were looking for opportunities to bless others, not just a blessing yourself? Come on, that's a weak praise right there. But we want to move into that. And, and we, we tend to be minimalist in our expectations on what God can do. For, for instance, I know people that they believe that we only do this, we only give, we only tithe, we only do all that so that we can get money back. What a small, minimal, and, and narrow thought process God is not some kind of divine investment scheme. That's not what God is. That is narrow thinking. When God says he will pour out so much blessing that you won't be able to store it, he's talking about broadening the blessing to go beyond some dollar amount or bank statement or what you were able to save. God wants to move into a realm that is so much bigger than upgrading your bank account. He wants to take your life to another level. God wants your joy to be full. God wants you to move beyond healing to wholeness. God wants you to move beyond peace to a peace that surpasses all understanding. If our thinking is only in financial terms, we're going to miss out on the greatest blessings God wants to bring into our lives. I'm telling you today, a great marriage is better than money. Healthy kids is better than money. 
Joy is better than money. There are some things that money cannot buy that will only come from the presence of God, and God wants to pour that out on you in every aspect of your life, but he's talking not to people that rob from him, not to people that steal from him, but he's talking to people that prioritize their relationship with God, and before the mortgage and the credit card and the car payment and the groceries and all that stuff, I'm going to bring to God what belongs to him and he says I will honor that and I will cause your 90 to go further than what you could have done with 100. Somebody give God about 10 seconds of praise right there. This is a good reminder. I know many of you know these principles but it's good to be reminded of why we do what we do. He said I will open up the heavens I will bless you. Number three he said I'll protect you. God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I love that because the word rebuke here literally means that God will stand between you and your enemies and tell your enemies, whatever's devouring up your your finances, your relationships, your hell, God will literally stand between you and them and say, stop it, that's enough. Now, how many know when God says stop it, that's enough, they have to stop And sometimes it's not even the devil God has to say that to because it's not the devil devouring our money. We do a good job of that ourselves. Sometimes God has to stand between you and your impulses. Sometimes he's got to stand between me and my impulse. Anybody ever impulse by? I'm the only one, Lord. Come on, you had a bad day? I just need to buy something. Retail therapy. Come on, the men are just as bad as the women nowadays. We say the women sitting at home, buying everything online. You buying all kinds of stuff online too. Hunting stuff, golf stuff. Come on, looking for a new four-wheeler? Because you had a bad day. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But sometimes we are the ones devouring our blessing. And so that's why contentment becomes important in our relationship with God. God says, I will protect you. To the tither, I'll open heaven, I'll bless you, I'll protect you. Number four, he said, I will make an example of you. He said, the nations will call you blessed. People will look at your life and they will see that you you are blessed. God loves showing off his kids. It's kind of like, how many dads like bragging on their kids? Do I have any dads that like brag on your kids? I like bragging on my kids. It doesn't matter if it's Elijah playing a guitar, Zeke dribbling a ball, or Everly just learned something new at pre-K. Like, that's my girl, that's my boy. Dads love to do that. And the same is true with God. He loves to show off his kids. He loves to, to bless you in a way. He said that the nations will call you blessed. When you prioritize God, that is, that is a demonstration of affection and trust. And pe- people will notice when the blessing of God is on your life, people notice it. And, and I want you to be blessed and not apologize for it. Sometimes in church, we get blessed and then we get backward. We don't want anybody to see it. We don't want anybody to know we got a promotion. We don't even want anybody to know we got a big raise. We don't want anybody to know that. We, we, we're almost like we're apologizing for favor. 
apologize him. How many know that just like blessing can come on you and, and change your life, that when you are blessed, all the haters come out? Some people hate when you're blessed. But I'm going to tell you, don't apologize for it. The nation shall call you blessed. Now, does that mean that we just run out and we, you know, parade our blessings? No, but you should not apologize for being blessed. I mean, Karen and I, we started giving and tithing. Listen, I started tithing before I even loved Jesus. I grew up in a home, and I'll, I'll be honest, my first, when I had my first job, I didn't love the Lord. But when I got paid, my dad said, you know where the first 10% goes? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't love Jesus yet, but I'm going to bring what belongs to him. And, and so don't apologize. I'm more blessed today than I was 20 years ago. And you can judge me for being blessed today, but you were not there when I first went into ministry. I went from one year making $53,000 a year in insurance to the next year I made 10000 because I went into full-time ministry. And so why am I telling you that? I have trusted God, and listen, I tithed when I made 53000 20 years ago, and I tithed when I made $10,000 a year. Why? Because the first 10 belongs to God. God wants to bless you. God wants to protect you. God wants to open up the heavens over you, but he wants you to trust him in this area. Anybody want to trust God as it relates to your finances? Now, I'm going to try to wrap this up in the next few minutes. Um, when I speak about this principle, without exception, all the tithers, all the tithers will say, you're right, pastor, God has blessed me. They're the ones that the whole time I've been preaching, they've been doing this. If they're doing this, it's, they're a tither because they know the blessing that comes with it. But on the other end, there are the people who have never tithed, never really tested God in that area. And so there's two common themes. You got the tither who says, yes, God has blessed me. You got the non-tither who always says, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford. And I want to tell you that you can't afford not to tithe. And the reason for that is because these blessings that come on you between an open heaven, God's blessing, his protection, all of that, it's automatic for a tither. Which means there, are, there, will, there will be some things that you won't have to pray about because it will automatically take care of itself. God says, I've got this. These are the promises I've made. Test me and see if I won't open up the heavens. Test me and see if I will not bless you. Test me and see if I will not protect you. Some of you probably thinking, Pastor, if you knew my financial situation, you would not encourage me to tithe. But here's the deal. If you can't live off 100%, that's a good indicator that you can't live off 90 either. Here's what I want you to know. I would rather have 90% blessed all day than 100% cursed. Because God says when we fail to bring the first 10%, he said you are under a curse. He said you, even the whole nation, he told through, through the prophet Malachi, God wants to do this blessing in your life. The same prophet said that, that he is God and he does not change. So this is about priority. This is about percentage. Third and final thing, tithing is progressive. 
which means that if we started at 10% bringing the tithe and we've been saved for 10 years and we're still at 10%, we have some growing to do. Because the Bible talks about growing in the grace of giving. That it is not generosity until I have first brought the tithe. After I've brought the tithe, I can now be generous. And I want to encourage you to grow in generosity. A lot of times people will call the church and say, can you help so-and-so? And we're all for it. We help people all the time. And they'll say, can you help so-and-so? They need this or they, they need that. Guys, if the church is really the church, if we're really being who God has called us to be, if you have the resources to meet a need, you don't have to call down here to the office and say, church, will you take care of it? Because a lot of times God has already given you the resource. You could meet the need, but you got to step into that generous moment. It's, it, my amens have left the building. Well, we just thought, preacher, y'all would pay it. We do it all the time. We love doing it. But the Bible gives us a scripture that says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give. More, everybody say more blessed. Like if you have the resources, why are you calling anybody else? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So go ahead and be a blessing. Go ahead and be a blessing. Jesus pointed out to us in Matthew 23. I'm not going to take time to break this down. Worship team, you all better come back. I, a lot of preachers are very nervous over this subject. Very. Like they hate it. They don't teach on it. They don't preach on it. They're scared to death to do it. I love it. I love it. Why? Because there's so, there's thousands of scriptures on this. It's all through the Bible. I you could preach for a year on, on finances and possessions and tithes and offerings and all the things God says to manage well. Um, and I don't know why we're intimidated about something that could be such a blessing to us. It could be such a blessing to your family. But Jesus pointed out that tithing is just the beginning. Tithing is the on-ramp that God creates to help us arrive at a life of generosity. It's the beginning place. Tithing, guys, some of you think, well, that's a heavy message. Guys, tithing is milk, not meat. It, it's not like meat. It, it's milk. It, this is basic. God said if you can't, can't be trusted managing worldly wealth like money, then I can't trust you with the true riches. That's Jesus' words. So this, this money thing is a basic foundational principle. And I know that the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age and greed and the American dream and all these things try to fight how we feel about prioritizing God first. But this is just one of those given things that is so clear in scripture. And, and I, I said it last service, I'll say it again. You've heard me say it before. We don't need any bills paid. We paid over $300,000 of capital expense this year, and we still into positive money. Come on, somebody. Like, it's, we don't have bills to go pay. I, this, listen, it's not for the church. This is for you. 
When you bring the tithe and you give, it does more for you than it ever will the church. I know that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. It, it will do more for your life. Because I had people get mad at me before. You know how people are, church people are. I'm mad, pastor, so you won't be seeing my tithe. Every time that happens, our money goes up. They come under a curse. They get more frustrated, and guess what? A lot of times they come all the way back around and say, I was wrong. My life's a mess. I got to get back in there. I got to bring the tithe again. I don't like living up under this. I feel something right there. You won't harm us. Every time this happens, listen, our, our giving goes up when that stuff happens. Because for everyone that feels like that, God sends 10 more that'll start sowing in and blessing. Like it's never been about us. It's about you totally. It's totally about you. This is in your court. And I believe so much in it that if you've never been a consistent tither, Try it for 90 days. Give God, like actually test God in it. And if in 90 days you feel like it don't work for me, I'll have our business office refund every cent you gave. We'll give it all back. I've issued that challenge multiple times. Multiple times. Tons of new givers, tons of new tithers. And not one person has ever came back saying, Pastor, it didn't work. I'm going to need all that money I gave back. I had one guy do it one time, but he was, he was actually, I was like, okay, we'll write you. He was kidding with me. I was getting ready to have a conversation with the Lord. Like, you said, how many know, he said, I'll open heaven. I'll bless. I'll protect. And the nations will call you. In other words, people will see that you are blessed. So I want to encourage you to take that step. Try it for 90 days. You say, Pastor, it don't work. We'll give it all back. I, I, the last thing I would ever want is for people to think I preach on this in November to get something out of you. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. There is a blessing attached to doing it God's way financially. So let me leave you with two thoughts as you stand. Two thoughts as you stand. We cannot expect God's blessing outside of God's boundaries. And the last thing is, God's love is unconditional. I want you to hear this, but His blessing is conditional. His love, God's going to love you whether you do this or not. How many of God loves people that decide to go to hell? He loves them even though they're choosing that. God loves you, but he also wants to bless you. His love is all around you, but his blessing is conditional on your obedience. And I hope today was just enough faith to, to let you see you can trust God in this area. You can trust God in this area. Can you give God a hand clap if you receive his word today? Amen. He's a good God. He wants to do great things for you. Now, what I want to do right now is I want to pray for people that maybe you're not in a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around for a couple of moments.
If you're in this place today and you're not in relationship with Jesus, you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to repent of my sins. I need to turn from it and turn to Christ. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that is me. I want to be saved today. I don't want to leave the same way that I came in. Anyone at all that you would say, that's me today. Those of you that are watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. We have chat hosts ready and willing to pray for you. Amen. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be in God's presence today? Anybody glad you came to church today? Come on, give God the best praise you have all day. Thanks for listening to the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to our ministry, you can do so by going to bethesdachurch.tv give. See you on the next episode.